0: Hey, welcome to another episode of Where They've Been. My name is Jeff Lister. I'm your host. I'm here with my co-host, Zachary Moore. Zach, how you doing today, man? Jeff, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing well. You know, it's been a little cold in the weather. You know what yes, I mean? Yes, it is. has. it has been raining. To today. Yep. You had to wear a hat? Is that yeah, because I'd... you're bald?
1: Well, that doesn't help.
0: <laughs> 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 Didn't mean to offend you. Um, there's no baldism here. me. Let's go. Let's go. Yes dude come on just go right into the weather isn't that the most cliche thing we can go into right
1: yeah but that shows a really a, a solid friendship that we have is we can go straight into the weather and then go into something deep so. or does
0: it show the lack of friendship no
1: uh oof. It just, is
0: a, that cuts deep doesn't it
1: what is this dr drew
0: <laughs> <laughs> who's dr drew he's
1: a guy right i think he does
0: i don't know i know dr phil and he's Uh, a hoax anyways true whatever this is not about dr phil this episode uh we're gonna be hearing from a guy named dan Harrod, and dan is incredible man he just he just dropped some boom points this entire podcast you texted me as we were talking through it at the beginning and you're like holy cow he just like He just is fire the whole time. And that's the case. It's awesome. So Dan kills it. I can't wait for you to listen to this episode. So without further ado, here's another episode from where they've been. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Rocket Media. So Zach, I've been seeing that you're destroying stuff in your backyard. I know you're an avid reader. Where do you go to find all this stuff?
1: Oh yeah, so definitely a lot of uh, projects around the house. So anything like sledgehammers, uh axes and books just for those three parts of my life right now. Always go to Google. Uh google.com search for it and it's always the first thing I find. It usually leads, leads me to where I need to go. You're not a Firefox guy, right? Oh, not since high school.
0: 1994.
1: 1994, that's
0: right. Well We go to Google, right? You know, you go to click on one of the top results and then away you go. Well, that's what our friends at Rocket Media can do for your business or your church. Get you at the top of the very first page so the people that are looking for you, they can actually find you. You need to be there to take advantage of thousands of searches with Google search advertising. Do yourself a favor and schedule a free consultation today at rocket.media. That's the rocket.media for Google search ads. I've seen Seen their work firsthand personally i've actually been a part of it and i can tell you it works it's incredible and we are so thankful for them they're sponsoring this podcast make sure you give them a call let them know that you heard about us at the where they've been pod dudes is that we're going to be calling ourselves I feel yeah, like you need to good. come up with like, yeah. a catchphrase or something.
1: We'll figure that out. That's yeah. A, yeah I mean, progress. that's that's
0: another conversation for another day. Anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now let's get, let's get to the podcast, but make sure you check out the Maybe we can walk that road
1: again. Take a little time to sit and listen.
0: Welcome, man. It's great to have you. Oh, dude, I am so excited to be with you today. Me too. Me too. We just did another podcast for your podcast, Hope Between the Lines, and that was an absolute blast. So <laughs> I'm excited to to jump into another one here.
2: Yeah, I really appreciate you making the time to have that conversation. Uh, it was super illuminating for me because you just have a way of sharing perspective that is crazy conversational. And then... Compelling, like yeah. it's just—it was a great conversation,
0: dude. Thank you. Well, and also today is your birthday, forty. How does Heck it feel? Yeah, uh, I mean, no that's different. incredible. Happy birthday, man! I feel absolutely no different. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that like the paradigm of you're like? I just turned. I actually just turned thirty on, yeah. in October, and uh, just didn't feel any different at all. You know what I mean? It's just such an interesting thing.
2: Well, and I think I've heard, you know. 50 is the new 40. So mm-hmm. apparently, I haven't arrived at anything significant yet. You haven't, because 40
0: so. is the new 30, and 30 is the new 20, and 20 is <laughs> the new 10, and 10 is the new zero. Right. Whatever okay. that means. Let's wrap A- our heads around A- that. Ab-
2: I can't, actually. I just <laughs> sprained my brain trying yeah. to follow that line of logic all the way down to to Inception.
0: Yes, usually it breaks down somewhere. If you just keep following it down and down and down and down, it breaks down.
2: Well, going to zero, unless we're doing math and integers and negative numbers, which I despised in high school. Um, Yeah, wow. Yeah, 40 years. It's been interesting looking back on what you thought you knew back in the day. Yeah. And I now am way more confident and a lot less things. Hmm. Because what happens through life is you go through seasons of awesomeness. And then you go through seasons of awfulness. Hmm. And it's those seasons that really color the full spectrum of the palette that ultimately ends up being the the mural of your life where you eventually can step back with a little bit of perspective and discover, wow, that really dark season, that dark corner of my life, as I step back, now I see a richness to the bigger picture, right? That that is now springing out of the darkness that I hated, I loathed, I, I raged against God. In the middle of and even looking back, I'm still a little frustrated over why that happened. But hmm. time has a way of changing the way you see things. And the caveat is what you're doing with the time hmm. you have. And yeah. you, may, you may have heard the phrase, you know, time heals all wounds. false to hmm. quote Dwight Schrute. Um, <laughs> And here's, here's why I say that if, if time really did heal all wounds, you would never meet a bitter senior citizen. Oh, yeah. Come on. Yeah. Right. And I don't want to be a senior citizen. I want to be a seasoned citizen. So in 40, in 40 more years, I want to have so many wrinkles in my smile, in the corners of my eyes. I want to have so much light in my, in my eyes. When I am connecting with people, I want there to be a joy about me and a brightness Mm -hmm. and a lightness about me. And that's only going to happen if I make the most of my time like Psalm 9012. It's says prayer. And it says, you know, God teach us to number our days, aright, so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Yeah. And in order to make the days count, you've got to inventory them appropriately, you've got to assess them, you've got to measure them, you've got to weigh them against what really matters in the span of eternity. Yeah. And so the paradoxical tension is, here I am a finite being walking in relationship with an eternal God within a finite system that he created. Right. So now looking back on my life, I'm like, dude, some crazy stuff has happened. It'll be 10 years since we lost our daughter Hmm. at 13 months old. Um, My wife brought her to the doctor for her one year well child. And uh, the pediatrician looked Marlena right in the eyes and and told her your daughter's perfect. Mm. And um, Marlena called me on the way home. And she's like, Yeah, our, our little lady's perfect. And I was like, well, duh. <laughs> but it was five o'clock that same day, just five hours later, that our little lady passed away. Wow, Like right in her sleep. And the autopsy would later reveal it was sudden infant death syndrome. So, looking back now, that's the dark corner of my life. Yeah, that I hate. Yeah, absolutely. And then now, as I step back, and I don't, I don't believe everything happens for a reason. Have you ever heard people say
0: that? I have, and I, I agree with you one hundred percent. I, I, I personally can't believe that.
2: And here's why I don't believe that is if you rewind this story all the way back to the book of Genesis in the Bible, you'll see God created Adam, he created Eve, and he creates for them this perfection. But then he puts the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. And he's like, yo, Adam, yo, Eve, listen, pay attention. That Mm -hmm. tree do not eat of the fruit. If you do, you'll die. It won't end well for you. But what do they do? They eat the fruit? Yeah. And I have racked my head. I'm like, God, why? why didn't you take the tree out? Or more importantly, why did you put it put it in there in the first place? Exactly. And where I've landed is this true love can only exist when a true choice is available. And what God desires from us is a real reciprocal love. Yeah. And in order for Adam and Eve, to choose him, that means they had to have the freedom to not choose him. Exactly. Yeah. So now we come across the reality of the fall of creation, death, destruction, dysfunction, all enters the story. And here we are generations later, reaping the consequences of a decision made long ago. Yeah. So in the first Adam creation done got jacked up. But the second Adam who is revealed as Christ in the book of Romans, he's making all things new. Hmm. I love that. So in the first part story gets jacked up by the willful choice. In the second part, creation is being renewed by a willful choice. Yeah. So a willful choice creates the mess, a willful choice redeems the mess. Yeah. And so when people say everything happens for a reason, I'm like, "Ah, what are you really saying? Right. Right? Because how does that
0: sound to you? Yeah, I mean, to me, it sounds like an easy excuse because you don't want to deal with the pain of reality. Mm. That's that's what I see, you know, most times I feel like if we don't want to revisit one of the things you were talking about, and you just, you just in my mind, just proclaimed the gospel in an absolutely beautiful mm. way. Thank you for that. Mm. That was incredible. Wow. But one of the things you said was 10 years ago, this horrific event happened you could do everything in your power to never and and i'm sure there's days where it's like i i don't even want to think i don't want to remember but if you don't remember you know it's almost like you're ignoring in a way mm-hmm. and you have to revisit and you have to remember that pain because it just is reality of what happened mm-hmm. and you can't move forward if you don't and so you're saying like you're reflecting, and if you're not reflecting, then you're just ignoring it. And that to me is like when someone says, you know, everything happens for a reason. It's just a cop out because I don't want to think back. I don't want to reflect. I don't want to go through it. I don't want to. It's it's almost like some for some people I think it's it's a a conscious choice to ignore. For other people, I actually have come to realize. That our brains forget stuff. I think this is scientifically proven. Now I'm not smart enough. You're more of a bookworm and you've probably read about this. We were talking the other day about a neurological book you were reading. Absolutely. But I, I think like there's this thing in your brain, and you can you can correct me if I'm wrong, that you actually don't remember certain trauma specifically mm-hmm. because it would be so detrimental to your brain and body. Is that mm-hmm. correct?
2: So what I what well, little that I know
0: yeah. is that when
2: you go through stressful experiences, there are chemicals that are released in your brain that actually can cement memories. But what ultimately happens for some people is that when traumatic events happen,
0: there's a disembodying that takes place. Because
2: it's a a coping mechanism, which is I believe what
0: you're referring to. Exactly, yeah. You're not remembering because it is a coping mechanism by your body to say, hey, if you remember this, it's gonna cause you so much trauma that you actually have a haze in your memory. Mm -hmm. And so I think some people it's a conscious choice to say, you know, everything happens for a reason. And other people, it's a haze in the memory, because going back would be too traumatic, which is why we have beautiful things like counseling and, 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 you know, we have all these groups and trauma courses, where we can kind of walk through that in a healthy way.
2: Absolutely. And it, I think it's important to remember forward. Because I think a wrestling match is for people that have walked through the valley of the shadow of death. And it's not just losing somebody you love, it's it's mourning the marriage that may be fractured right before your eyes. It's mourning the yeah. health of your loved one. It's it's mourning the the child who has walked away from the faith that you modeled for them. It's it's mourning the loss of a professional dream. When you walk to the valley of the shadow of death it's important that you remember forward. Yeah, because even though reflecting back will help you get a better perspective, it is absolutely vital to remember that we are not home yet. Mm. And I believe it's Philippians 314. It talks about pressing on towards the goal to which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. And it's not it's not an encouragement to just say, well, suck it up, buttercup and muscle on soldier. I don't think that's what the scripture is saying. I think the scripture is saying we're not home yet. So all of the pain that has ripped your heart to shreds is real. It's powerful. It needs to be addressed. And remember this, that you are on your way to a better place. Yeah. And here's the awesome thing about the gospel is that it, it just doesn't promise us heaven in heaven, it brings heaven to earth. Yeah. And it allows the darkest night that you and I have ever slept through and maybe never slept through. Maybe we were so awake in the midst of our agony and pain and we we just couldn't find rest in the restlessness. And we have now a greater hope. It's it's Romans eight twenty eight. It says, for we know that God causes all things to work together the good of those who love him and those who have been called according to his purpose. This promise is unbelievable. Yeah, because it declares that everything will work. Collaborate together for your good. When you love God back. Yeah. I don't get it. It's <laughs> way above my pay grade. Oh, yeah. But here's the unbelievability. My birthday March 2nd. My neighbors today is not a day to celebrate. Because three years ago, their one year old daughter passed away.
0: Hmm.
2: How in the world did we buy a house in 2014, that would position us right next to a family who in 2018, would experience a near identical loss as us. Mm. Their daughter was brought to the exact same emergency room that that my daughter was brought to Wow. Uh, the wife walked down the same hall that I walked down to go to the same family waiting room that I I had to walk to to tell my family the terrible news. Wow, that my daughter's gone. my daughter's gone. So um, how in the world do we live next door? to a family who understands our pain better than anybody else in our town. Wow, they're unbelievable. Exactly. And that's the part I, I don't understand about God. Yeah, he caused my family's worst ever stretch of life to be repurposed for our good. And we're now able to receive encouragement from a family next door who is grieving the loss of a daughter on, on my birthday. And now we get to be an encouragement to them. Yeah. As they walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah. It it's amazing how God causes all things to work together sometimes. Yeah. Wow.
0: That is, I mean, there's I <laughs> I that's incredible. It's an incredible connection and and I think you have a gift of dealing with and being able to see that connection. I was listening to to your podcast and you kind of mentioned um you know other dates, you know, mm-hmm. uh, November 30th and you talked about other dates and how they connected. And you're able to see what that is what that could potentially be. I feel like because you're allowing God into that space. Mm-hmm. You're not pushing them away. And you're allowing to deal with it and you're allowing pain to be real. Yeah. But not, but not in the way of like, I'm never going to think about this again, but in the way of like, I'm going to allow this pain to be so real that I'm going to use this pain for something else for, for a purpose. And, and that is just an Absolutely. In my mind, that's just like gold standard level that, like, you know what I mean? Like, you've like leveled up, like on Mario, like you're like all the way up, you know what I mean? I love like, that come game. on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I suck so bad at that game, you know what I mean? It's just a frustration <laughs> point, you know what I mean? But like, you've like gotten all the way, like, that is just like, come on, wow. that's black belt Christianity to me. Oh. And I'm just thinking of analogies in my head, like, they're just Those popping awesome. through,
2: you know what I mean? I feel like Chuck Norris right now
0: Thank yes, you. yes, like, <laughs> you should
2: you should well and people find Marlena and I regularly and they'll just tell us you guys are so strong. And I have to call timeout. Every time somebody tells me that. Because if you move into my mind for a minute, mm. you're gonna discover somebody who's got real problems. Yeah. Who battles anxiety? Who has had moments in his life that he's ridiculously not proud of yeah and there were times in the wake of losing my daughter where i told god he could keep it all yeah (laughs) not in a good way yeah (laughs) it was the figuratively moving all of his stuff out onto the lawn (laughs) (laughs) in front of our house yeah like where i'm like god if this is it you can keep it yeah and so I appreciate when people want to encourage Marlene and I and let us know how strong they perceive us to be. And then it's just super important, though, for me to correct the record and say Yeah, actually we're we're pretty common place. And the choice we've made is just to trust the Lord.
0: Yeah, well, and you're, you're taking it from this place of I- idealism to reality, you know, mm-hmm. because we can really put someone in this position and on this pedestal that they are not, they themselves are not even putting themselves on. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of times I find that we do that in Christianity. We say, this is the person I want to be like, but a lot of times we don't know what they've struggled through to get there and what they're currently struggling with behind the scenes. Yeah, And I heard Uh, this pastor say one time, he said, you know, you always want what they have, but you don't want what it costs them to get there. That's right. And I think that's so true about everything. We want what someone else has, but we also don't want the cost Mm -hmm. that it took for them to get to this place. And so it's important to take that, that, that idea of this person and bring it down to reality and that Mm -hmm. happens through community. So I think, how did you get to this place of realization? You obviously wrote a book called Suffer Well. I have it on my shelf and it's awesome. And uh, I just shared it, you know, um, on Instagram and I've shared it with, I've actually shared it with a bunch of people and Mm -hmm. said, Hey, you should read this book or you should check this out. And so how did you, like, what's your story with that? Like, what's your story with the title of the book is Suffer Well. So how did you come to this realization that number one, it's a choice that I want to suffer well, cause you wouldn't have written the book if you didn't want to. And mm-hmm. number two, like how did you get to that and what kind of played into that?
2: Absolutely, I think we in America have an inadequate understanding of the gospel. And I think it shows up in some of our most popular songs that we mm-hmm. sing in in churches, it shows up in the mantras that we we say to each other, hmm. when we're going through hard times, like God would never give you more than you could handle. Wow. um That's a whopper of an untruth.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, and if Well, if that's were- that's out in the front lawn. That's out in your front lawn right now.
2: <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I mean, it was It was like that participation trophy I got in seventh grade. It was worthless. Yes. It did not help me one iota. And if the truth is, if the Lord never allowed us to go through more than we could handle, no one would ever die by suicide. Mm -hmm. So we need to come correct and open our eyes to the suffering servant, Jesus Christ. Right said in john chapter 16 verse 33 is like i've told you these things so that in me you may have peace good news thumbs up bad news on the way in this life you will have trouble and that Mm -hmm. word trouble is tribulation which is just a fancy word of fancy way of saying ouchie mama like it's gonna hurt so buckle up yeah and then he's like but take heart i have overcome the world so the reason why i wrote suffer well (laughs) is because i discovered we were not having enough productive conversations around pain, loss and suffering. Because I know, I didn't have a healthy understanding of what it meant to follow Christ. Hence, all of the stuff that I chucked out onto the lawn of my spiritual abode called my called my heart like, I was like, God, you can just, you can have it all back. Well, why did I do that? Well, that's Mm -hmm. because my expectation was right, unrealistic henceforth unbiblical, And anytime you've got unmet expectations that cultivates frustration, which then ultimately boils up into anger.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so there I was in a mad as a hornet's nest state in my own journey after losing my daughter, trying to ask like, what the junk is going on here? Because I thought that if I served the Lord, this, this stuff wouldn't happen to me. Mm-hmm. Well, I started letting the Bible speak to me and informing my theology and I discovered actually suffering is part and parcel to the Christian experience yes and we don't want to say that out loud it's kind of like in infomercials when you see the really small fine print like results may not be typical and so Mm. the American gospel has been hey, God just wants to make your life better. Well, uh, read the fine print. (laughs) The real gospel, the real gospel says you have no life at all.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Apart from Christ, and he resurrects you to abundant life. Yes, through what he did for us on the cross. That's the real gospel. Yeah. But we've been so enamored with this self improvement gospel that we've missed the real gospel. Yeah. And so I wanted to speak into this, this subject, because it just had to be done. It just had to be done. And so I started writing in 2017. And it took me a year and a half to write this book. And I discovered how therapeutic it was for me. Yeah. Because I was still very much in pain and agony, six years after the loss of my daughter six years, and I still wasn't out of the woods yet emotionally as a man as a husband as a father, because my way of coping was to just work, work,
0: work. Yeah. Which seems seems like the way that I think I would do it as well. To be honest with you, like, I bet that's very common. It,
2: I think it is. And what I noticed, though, after my a daughter passed away, Marlene and I processed the grief so differently. Hmm. And there was some real tension there for a while, because we were expecting the other person to grieve like we were grieving. Exactly. Yeah. So here I am. After like, a month out of the office, grieving the loss of my daughter, I'm going stir crazy. I'm broken, I'm wounded. The only thing I know how to do is work well. And I'm like, I just need to, I just need to get moving again. And so my medication, which I overdosed on was just to work, 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 put my head down, run after it, get it done. Marlena's medication was to rest and retreat. Hmm. Yeah, so just opposites in that. Yeah. And once we figured out how different the other was in that, and we honored that difference. And our our marriage got 10 times better. Yeah, because we are no longer agitating the other, right, we were able to go shoulder to shoulder and actually fight against what was assailing us from the outside
0: of our marriage. Right. I think that if I can just pause for one moment, I think that's huge. So like, dealing with grief in a relationship, I'm sure there's someone listening to this who's dealt with grief in a relationship. And what you just said is like, i dealt with it this way my wife dealt with it this way and we it caused tension and so like coming to that understanding and it may not even be grief it may just be life how you deal with life so like what were the conversations you had how how did you bridge that gap because it couldn't have just been like oh my goodness you're resting i'm sure there had to be like times where you're like uh-huh. okay let's go let's go you know And she had to be like, Okay, would you sit down and shut up? You know, like, I'm sure she would say that she's too kind. But like, you know, like, that's in my mind, you know what I mean? Sure.
2: Yeah, I think where it manifested itself in tense conversations next to the kitchen sink. Hmm. And when we didn't understand the other, we, we couldn't really see what was going on. Hmm. And it was a revelatory moment when we figured out what honor really is. Like honor is where you give deference in, in the realm of your preference.
0: Yes. That's it right there. That's a boom point right there. Somebody write that down.
2: And so my problem was I was not giving deference in the area of my preference Mm -hmm. for my wife. I would have preferred that she would just do what I'm doing. Exactly. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's working for me, yo. So, yep. why wouldn't you be doing it? Yep. Here's why because it doesn't work for her. Yep. And once I had that aha moment after multiple tense conversations, and we both just arrived at this place where we released the other from the expectation
0: mm-hmm.
2: of walking our way. We're mm. walking the way that we are walking in the direction of healing, but giving liberty for them to be who they are as an individual in the marriage. Yeah. And I, th- I think there's a misnomer about what marriage really is. Yeah. It's not two people becoming the same person. Scripture is super clear. The two become one flesh and there's there's sexual Connotations there. There's emotional, you know, nuance there. There's spiritual relevance there, but it doesn't mean that two people literally become the same person. Yes. It's two individuals who cooperate to really reveal the the glory and the image of God. Yeah. Uh, which is Christ and the church, cooperating together to make this world a better place. Yeah. So it took us a while in our marriage to get to a place where we were honoring the other better. But once we did, it decompressed so much stress. And it allowed us to turn our attention in a unified way towards the external factors that were, you know, assailing us, but also what was assailing us from the inside. Yeah. Because my world was devastated. When my daughter died. Yeah. Marlena's world was devastated. When the life that she carried for nine months. Yeah, unbelievable. She had a deeper relationship with our daughter than I did. Yeah. And our worlds, like a dome imploding in on itself, just came to ruin. And we're now coming up on 10 years later, we're still building back. Yeah, we're still being renewed by the gospel. We're still being healed. And I still to this day have what I call trapdoor days where I get hit out of left field and the floor falls out from underneath me emotionally and I just have to weep. Hmm. And like my daughter's my daughter Peyton is my, my uh, background on my phone. And so there are days when I look at my phone and I'm just wrecked. Yeah. But I don't ever want to stop being wrecked. Yeah. um, Because it's one way I, I honor her.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I hate wow. how we
2: I hate how we process pain in America. Yeah. It's so linear. Yes. It's a, it's a date on the calendar. You're just supposed to get over it. Hell no, I'm not getting over the loss of my daughter. Yeah. I will never get over Peyton's passing. She means too much to me to get over it. Exactly. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to carry this loss with me. Because that's how I honor her. Yeah. That's that's how I walk with a limp. That's how I I feel the joy and the agony simultaneously because God is sovereign over it all both it's a both and and I think we've done a little too much a la carte DIY spirituality Mm. where we just feel like we can pick and choose what we like and just only take that from the buffet of spirituality and truths that we think exists. But that's not how this works. Christ invites us to a table that he sets.
0: Hmm.
2: He prepares the meal. And what he serves is what's best for us. And I don't want to be an ungracious guest. I don't want to be a rude person in the presence of the Christ. But times I found myself being just that.
0: Hmm.
2: <laughs> like, Jesus, you can send that bowl back. I don't. I, Take that plate back, Jesus. That's that's not, no. Well, um, if God has allowed something into my life, not caused it, and there's a difference. Yeah. If he's allowed it, he's going to redeem it. So do I trust him enough to accept what is happening? Fully embrace it and watch him redeem it.
0: Yeah. It's way easier said than done. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, and my thought goes to Jesus at the table um, with the disciples. And he just says, like, which one of you can drink from the cup that I'm going to drink from? And they're all like, yeah, I'll drink from it. He's like, no. You, right? you, you, you have no idea what you're talking about. That's right. And I think that that's the reality of the gospel is exactly what you said. He invites us to the table that he's sitting at and his table is full of grace and truth. Mm -hmm. And it's also full of power and suffering. That's right. And so if if we're gonna sit at the table, and we're gonna follow him, thank God that he doesn't just offer us a self loving gospel, right? Thank God that he offers us something bigger than ourselves. Come on, Jeff, because it's just exactly what you said. Like, it's not. That's just, it's just cheap. You know, it says mm. Deidre Bonhoeffer says is that, you know, it's just cheap grace that we're offering someone we're more concerned about conversion than we are about formation. Wow. So we'll, we'll offer you a cheap grace and a cheap opportunity to do something. But then you see all these people walking around without this thing that you've gone through. And mm. this, thing that's been formed in your family and you've come through and you're continuing to come through and it's going to be something that you walk with i love that you said that that is one of the most profound things i've ever heard about this seriously mm. that you're going to walk with this limp because that's how you honor her that's unbelievable i almost just started breaking down crying when you said that because that's honestly so powerful i think we should, we could just stop right now and just write a book on it. I mean, that's unbelievable. But to me, what you're saying is you're walking through and it's not cheap. It's painful. And it's real. And I think so many times we can look at Jesus on the cross, and think it was easy. And I love that uh, Dick Brogdon talked about this one time when he was speaking at NCU. He said, when you think of Jesus on the cross, think of a tidal wave. 2000 feet high coming and approaching him at the speed of a hurricane with the power of a hurricane Wow. and him opening his mouth, drinking it, swallowing it, dying, and then walking out of the grave three days later, Like think of the imagery of him oh. being destroyed by this and then coming out the other side. And it was just an unbelievable picture right? That's what he did for us. And that's the reality of it. And, mm. man, you said so many incredible things. I don't even want to talk, I should shut up and just let you keep talking because it's incredible. But no, after my daughter died, I
2: heaven changed for me. Yeah. It was something I very much believed in. Mm. And I was like, Yeah, I'm gonna be there someday. But after Peyton passed, it became a place that I wanted to be. Yes. And God willing, I've got 40, 50, 60 more years um, on this side of eternity. But he- man, heavens changed for me. Yeah. Because now I understand that the gospel promises that though we may die, we will surely live. Yes. And I love how God takes those elements of our lives that are devastating Mm -hmm. and makes them liberating. Yeah, takes the crippling loss of my daughter, and he now liberates me to understand we have a hope beyond the grave.
1: Hmm.
2: Not even death itself has the power to end my daughter's story. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have the power to end my story. It doesn't have the power to end your story. That's how powerful the cross is. It changes the equation. And so here now I have a, a powerful appreciation for what is now devastating because God has made it liberating for mm-hmm. me. And there's wow. the there's the causing all things to work together for my good peace again, where God says, watch me work in your story. For he surely does not sleep. God does not slumber. He does. He doesn't take days off. He's taking the worst parts of our lives and he's making them good in the
0: end. Hmm. Wow. That's so profound. It's incredible. Thank you for sharing all that, by the way. I mean, it's, it's incredibly honest and vulnerable. And, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure that was writing that book must have been. I mean, it's like you said, it's probably very therapeutic. But was it at the same time, something that felt extremely vulnerable, like it almost felt like you're putting your heart on display?
2: For sure. For sure. Um, I think what happened in me as I began to write, uh, two things took place. I began to discover the depth of my unhealed pain. Mm. I remember sitting on my lazy boy with my laptop in hand, typing chapter one. And if you read suffer well, you'll discover why chapter one is a tough chapter because it's the day and night that my daughter passed away. And so as I'm writing chapter one, I am bawling in my lazy boy and my Mm golden retriever is literally trying to crawl up onto my lap and past my laptop and licking my face and just trying to console me. But I was wrecked by the pain, the agony of the loss of my daughter. And the Lord used the writing and the expression and the retelling of the story to bring about a deeper healing in me. Mm. The other thing that happened was my insecurities were raging as I was writing, because I was gripped with this fear of complete rejection. Mm. Like no one's gonna read this. Who do I think I really am? This is trash. Our thoughts that were on repeat in my mind. And I would sit down to write. And I'd I'd feel like I was flipping Edgar Allan Poe. I was like, this is gold. And I go back and read it a week later. I was like, this is trash. (laughs) And it wasn't until after five months of writing, deleting, writing, editing, writing, deleting, writing, reworking, copy, paste, move here, move here. It wasn't after until after five months of spinning my proverbial wheels that I finally felt I found my writing voice. And things click but after five months of just clacking away feeling like an idiot i found my writing voice i locked in and things didn't get easier i got stronger yeah because as i began to write this book a friend of mine who's released several other books gave me this nugget and he's like dan you need to remember easy reading is hard writing and he was correct All of these brilliant authors, Malcolm Gladwell, wow, that dude can write Dan Heath, that dude can write incredible authors. That is an art form and a craft that I did not appreciate. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then I then I tried to write a book. Right. And I was like, this is really hard. And I'm thankful that I just kept on going. Yeah, because I think we underestimate
0: the power of faithfulness on the daily. So, did you have a daily routine like Donald Miller? Uh, I really like his uh, his memoirs that he's written. He's like a a guy that I follow a lot. Love his he's his brilliant. story. Yeah, and um he he talked about how he was talking with a writer at the beginning of his journey. And he said, you know, yeah, I only write when I'm inspired. It just happens to be every single day at 7 (laughs) a.m. Yes.
2: That's (laughs) hundred
0: percent. I was was just like, wow, like that's unbelievable. Like that line. Yeah. I only write when I'm inspired. That just happens to be every single day at 7 a.m. And is that kind of what, what you found? Is that kind of what it was like the writing journey you had to be very consistent? Yeah,
2: you have to be committed to the discipline. Mm. If you want it to work for you. Sure. The the problem is you have to work for it first. Right. And until you work for it first, it will never work for you. Mm. Next, it just won't because you've got to build the muscle memory, you've got to build in the new uh, patterns and the new habits. So that when you come up against writer's block or whatever it is that you're trying to do, you've got enough inertia, enough momentum to keep grinding until you finally break through. I think one of the great tragedies of our current cultural snapshot is that we believe that our emotions always tell us the truth. Yes. That is such a lie. Our emotions are like thermostats in our living rooms, Mm. they tell us what the temperature is. But this is where we have to engage our brain. Because the other part of the thermostat is the ability to call on resources to change the temperature in the room.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
2: And so being disciplined is the only way you're ever going to get anything done. And It's the small obediences. It's the Hmm. small steps that will get you to a thousand miles down the road. But you got to take each step there. There there are certain moments where you can leap because you've built up enough catalytic energy and you have a creative burst or you meet the right person and God uses that to advance you down the road. And there are bursts of advance that happen and I've seen it. It's awesome. But in between the peaks, (laughs) of all the mountain ranges guess what there's a lot of valleys yeah there's a lot of downs there's a lot of ups there's a lot of space between what we love to picture ourselves at but think about how few small percentages or how small of a percentage the mountain peaks on the face of planet earth actually represent exactly total, total surface area of planet earth I haven't done the math yet, but I'm going to guess it's pretty small. Yeah. There's a lot of other places to live.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's very interesting. I love what you said, too, about your author friend who told you easy reading is hard writing. That makes a lot of sense to me. And because even in like, and this is in no way a comparison here, but this is just my brain, like writing a sermon, right, when I'm preaching on Sunday. I I like to say, like, if a caveman can't grunt out my point, it's not going to stick. So like, and that takes longer, because it I'm sure this is how it was. It's very easy to get caught into the idiosyncrasies and the complications and the longevity of your story and just continue and go through those motions. And for you, it doesn't feel that way. But maybe for someone who's reading it for the first time, it does. So you have to make it very simplistic. That's very interesting. Like, and I and and just to talk about like the consistency. What is it, Eugene Peterson? What does he talk about? Faithfulness, that it's a long obedience in the same yeah. direction. Yeah. That to me seems like the consistency we need. We need a long obedience in the same direction. Like that is what faithfulness will be defined by. That's right. If if we can continue in the same direction. For a long enough time, that is what it means to be faithful in these in these little moments in this thing that we're trying to complete.
2: That's right. That's right. And I think it's important that we all understand that we are far more resilient than we give ourselves credit for.
0: Hmm. And you think that you found that just from personal experience?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, because in addition to losing our daughter, which was catastrophic, I had a bout of Bell's palsy, which basically was where half of my face went on strike for five months. And that was a tough stretch for me because I'm in youth ministry as a youth pastor and I'm having to preach in front of teenagers for five months with a face that is disfigured. And here's how unbelievable it got for me. A month after I came down with Bell's palsy, I was supposed to lead the music at a conference with over a thousand people.
0: We'll get back to the podcast in just a moment. But before we do, I want to tell you about the organization that Dan works for. It's called Youth Alive. Youth Alive believes that every student matters. In communities all over Wisconsin and northern Michigan, 6th through 12th grade students are walking through one of the most challenging seasons in our modern history. An increasing number are reporting
1: higher anxiety depression and loneliness dang and in spite of this there is hope yeah youth alive exists to serve schools churches and communities to help students live the best life possible when i was a high school uh student myself i was invited to a group that was very similar to youth alive and honestly it changed my life Because I was living with that anxiety. I was living with that loneliness and that lack of hope. And so there are programs like Youth Alive that exist for this reason, to bring hope. And as of 2020, their public school programs have reached over 220,000 students with positive mental health messaging. So in, this, in the midst of this current pandemic, they're providing virtual resources
0: for schools that bring hope. Come on, that's incredible. For more information about Youth Alive, please visit their website, www.youthalivewinm.com. And so
2: after I come down with Bell's palsy, I call up the organizer. I'm like, yo, you got Quasimodo for a front man. You do not want this. And he's like, no, uh, I I if you can, I I want you to lead. And I'm like, yes, like, I (laughs) I guess. Yeah. yeah. And I I didn't want to. And so yeah, um, well, I can imagine who would. I hated looking into the mirror. Yeah, I I hated talking to people because I knew that they were looking at a face that was partially paralyzed. And when every time I blinked, one eye would stay freakishly open. Every time I'd smile, my mouth would pull to one side of my face. Every time I raised my eyebrows, only one went up. I Mm. felt hideous. And so I went a month into this journey, was part of a great team of musicians. They were so much fun to play with. But here I am playing an acoustic guitar and singing with a face that is paralyzed to the point where I can't form every word sound correctly. Mm-hmm. And we do all of the the services. And at the end of the last service, I, I walk off the platform and a woman finds me. And she's like, I hear you have Bell's palsy. And I'm like, is someone announcing that from the the rooftops? Like, how do you know I have Bell's palsy? Well, one look at me and it was obvious that I had Bell's palsy, but that's how insecure I was about it. Like I was just paranoid about everyone's talking about me. Truth truth is, is people are not, thinking about us nearly as much as we think they're thinking about us. Why? Because they're doing the exact same thing that we're doing. We're thinking about ourselves. Oh, 100%. Most of the time, people are also thinking about themselves. Oh, yeah, we we give ourselves way too much credit sometimes by thinking that we're more interesting than we really are. And so I think hearing her ask me if I have Bell's palsy was like, I froze. And I was like, Yes, I do. And she says, my husband has Bell's palsy. And he got it like a month ago. And seeing you up there leading the music is super inspirational. Hmm. Wow. And I was so humbled in that moment because I felt like God was saying, son, can you sit down for a minute? Hmm. I need you to get something from me right now. I need you to understand that I don't need perfect people. Wow. I need, I need people who will trust me. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a a point where I figured out, okay, number one, we place way too much value on external appearance. Yeah. Way too much value. It's nowhere near as important as we think it is. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't want to look good and dress good and be healthy. All of those are very, very good. But when we worship something that's good and replace it in the very spot of God, that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And and so here I was going through this journey of Bell's palsy and I'm figuring out, yeah, I'm more resilient than I thought I was. Yeah. And the only way I figured figured that out was by keeping on, keeping on. And then this came up in our conversation on my podcast, just walking alongside of an amazing woman who battles migraines. Yeah. It's been five years where Marlena has been in bed for at least half the month. And in recent months, it's been worse. And that followed 12 years of increasing migraines. And I I jokingly tell people her headache started after she married me, (laughs) but it's true, they did. Yeah. And and what's nuts is this, 18 years ago when we got married, several months into our marriage, the migraines started 3 days a month she was down unable to to function it was too much light was painful sound was a weapon it was too much and then i was like oh this is the worst thing in the world and i remember hmm. sitting on my bed throwing a pity party about how awful that was looking back i'm like god i would give anything yeah to only see my bride in pain three days a month. Oh yeah. I would give so much. And so it's amazing how relative our perspective is. And when we allow ourselves to be fully in the moment and to allow God to be fully God in the moment we'll discover that we are far more resilient yeah. than, we, than we previously thought.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think that's, yeah, so true. I love exactly what you said. But one of the things that I want to key in on is, I don't know about you and we connect on this because Abby, you know, has chronic migraines as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I remember at the height, you know, it was like 25 days a month. Wow. It was a bad one. That's awful. Um, and I, I've so, I can so relate to you in the way of when you say, man, I'm throwing a pity party and I would give anything. This is something that I've come to the realization. And to me, I don't know if this is a good term or not, but I can almost look at you as someone as like a resilience expert, like, because like, I know you have trap days, like you said, but like, if you've been through all these things to me, like you can trust someone who has scars in my mm-hmm. mind. I, I don't trust people who don't. And that's just, I'm just going to be honest with you. Airbrush, don't trust you. Won't tell you a single thing. Love you. Pray mm-hmm. for you. Think you're awesome. Mm-hmm. We'll never trust you. <laughs> like that's just, <laughs> mm-hmm. maybe that's my weakness. But
2: sure,
0: to me, I had this big realization a few years ago. And I was, I was praying in this moment. I said, God, would you just take away her headaches? And then this thing came out of my head, which I think is pretty natural. And I said, just give them to me. I'll take them. Mm-hmm. I want them. Give them to yep. me. I would rather have this pain than have her have it. Right. And I've said stuff to her, like, I really just wish you didn't have this. I would take it for you. And then I realized in that moment that I wasn't helping her. I was comforting myself. Yep. And it, I realized that I am so that I was so selfish yeah. and I had no idea how selfish I was until mm. I walked alongside someone with a chronic illness. That's right. No idea. Yep. And I'm sitting there saying, I'll take this for you and not realizing it's not helpful to her at all. That's just comforting me. Yep. I need to have the guts to sit with her in this pain yep. and to be there. And if I don't, then I need to excuse myself from that moment, collect myself and come back in when I'm ready. And that was a huge realization for me, probably two, three years ago, I had mm-hmm. that. And and it's, man, it was, I don't know if you can relate to that at all or if that makes any sense. You're
2: highlighting something that needs to be illuminated. Yeah. Because we are all capable of what I, have discovered it's a phrase called pathological altruism, Mm. where it's good intentions gone awry, right? Where the helping the other is actually unhelpful. Mm. And I appreciate your honesty, because I had multiple similar moments like God, why am I praying so hard for this to end? And if i let myself be honest it's because this is really tough on me Mm -hmm. and i lost perspective yep and it's super important for grace to fill the space of this entire subject absolutely we cannot and we have to fight against the vilification of ourselves
1: Mm -hmm.
2: or our circumstances or The spouse, it is super critical that we allow grace to completely inundate this this subject matter. And I reflect on the story of Job. Mm -hmm. And it's fascinating that his wife's response was, dude, just curse God and die. And at first I was like, wow, she's a mean woman. <laughs> and she very well may could have been. Yeah. And then I was talking with a friend and he illuminated another perspective that I had not considered. We know Job's side. We have no idea what his wife felt. Exactly. Wow.
0: Right. That is something I've never thought of ever. Ever.
2: I know and until my friend kind of pushed back on my judgmental assessment of her as a spouse I was like, "Oh, my goodness. God forgive me." Yeah, cuz I wasn't seeing the full picture. Yeah. I was reading that as a man <laughs> reading a, a story about a man <laughs> who is in pain. I I literally read it through my masculine lens. Right. And I wasn't able to see it through the feminine lens of a spouse who is grieving the loss of her identity. Because here in America today, if a spouse passes away, it is tragic. Um, But we're in a different space culturally than she was then. Yeah. She was nothing culturally if she wasn't married. Right. And from our Overton window that we look back on that era of human history with we're like, wow, that's wrong. Uh, I think that it it is what it was, right. But I failed to see like she she was suffering. And her reaction against her husband was revelatory of the pain that she was in. Hmm. It doesn't make it right what she said, right? And I think Andy Stanley has a way of saying things brilliantly, and he talks about the way our story can explain things while not excusing them. Mm -hmm. And so here we have in the story of Job, we've got the spouse of Job suffering because she's literally her children are dead. Her financial wherewithal is evaporated her provider, her source is literally disintegrating before her very eyes. Mm -hmm. And she is wrestling with who am I Mm
0: -hmm.
2: without my husband? Who am I without my children? Who am I without a financial covering? Who am I? And I think it's super important when couples are going through pain together, and one is suffering physically, it is vital that we understand that although the other isn't suffering physically, they are suffering Mm -hmm. emotionally. And Marlene and I have had to get to a point where we have had to grieve the loss of the marriage that we thought we would have.
1: Hmm.
2: We had to come to grips with the fact that unless something changes for her health, This is what we have. This is the only marriage that we have. And so all of the expectations that we had 18 years ago, guess what? This day looks a lot different than the expectations that we had 18 years ago. Yeah. And so we had to grieve the loss of the marriage that we thought we would have. Hmm. And we even had to grieve the loss of the marriage that we had before this chronic illness moved in and started taken over. Yeah. Wow. And thank God for grace. Yeah, absolutely. Thank God for patience. Thank God for friends. I would not be who I am where I am without my friends. Yeah. It's just no way. There's no way.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's that's incredible to hear the story and I mean that both of you have the resolve to have those conversations. And to say those things is, that's unbelievable to me. And I mean, it's believable because you said it, but that's, that's very, that takes a lot of guts, honestly, and takes a lot of awareness to say the things that you're saying and, and really be like, Hey, this is the reality of our situation. And so we're going to, we're going to make the best of it as you can, I feel like you are continually are like, Hey, let's keep on walking. Let's learn. Let's grow. Maybe I'm walking with a limp, but I'm going to honor my past and continue to look toward my future. Yeah.
2: And I just think it has to be the spirit of Christ that lives within me. Yeah. That gives me the grace to believe that there's still better days ahead.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: And cause here's the truth. Um, I'm, I'm going to go through hell with Marlena. Yep. Because um, there's no other way that I want it. Exactly. And I think when you can get to a place where you're just you're, you're you're traveling light. You're you're not carrying a ton of unnecessary expectations on life. I just journaled yesterday on the eve of my 40th birthday. And I have these dreams and I was like, but God. If all I have for the rest of my life is what I have right now. I will be content. Yes. Because I've already won. Wow. I've already won. Like I I have an amazing wife who is. She's she's so much better than I deserve. In every way possible. Um, I have amazing children. Yeah. I I get to do what I love in vocational Mm. ministry. And on top of that, as a volunteer firefighter, I get to ride on fire trucks, Jeff. (laughs) How's that not awesome? Yes. Right?
0: It is. It is. I love that. I love the expectations that you're talking about. I mean, we used to say in ministry. We used to say, hey, we hold people with an open hand. So if they want to walk out, hey, or if God wants to move them to another part of another country or like, especially in the staff members, like our interns and stuff like that, we hold all these people with open hands. Mm -hmm. You know, we hold our positions with open hands. Mm -hmm. And what if we just like kind of in this realm of life held the expectations that we have and just very open? We're not closed fisted and we're not ready to start throwing punches anytime someone comes against what we think we deserve, but we're able to kind of know that, Hey, this is who I am. This is the identity that I have. And these are things that I value. And so I'm going to hold my dreams with an open hand. I'm going to hold my finances. I'm going to hold my friendships. I'm going to hold my expectations about the reality of my future. With a very open hand.
2: Come on, Jeff. You are absolutely right. I have come to this realization that whatever I feel entitled to actually holds the deed to me. Mm. Wow. Because when I feel like I'm entitled to fill in the blank, I have laid a subconscious claim on it. Wow. The danger is whatever you hold on to, actually has power over you. Yeah. And you hear these stories of uh, these experts that will go into the forest to trap uh, a monkey. What do they do? They put sweets inside of a jar that's just big enough for the monkey to slip their hand in but Once they grab what's inside of the jar, it actually becomes a trap because they cannot remove their hand from the trap. And therefore, they're stuck in that spot and then captured. Wow. And that is a vivid picture that I have in my mind of when I found myself holding on to things, not realizing that that actually has power over me. Hmm. And the only thing Christ has called me to hold on to is the cross. Yeah. Yeah everything else isn't what I'm called to cling to.
0: Yeah, I think
2: about, I think
0: about this a lot with, like, forgiveness. Yeah. So, you know, this thing of like, if I hold on to unforgiveness, whether it's against myself, or somebody else, or whatever, then, the reality is is like I'm holding on to this bitterness. The person who's punished is me. Mm-hmm. Because I'm holding on to it. That's right. I, I'm not the person who I'm bitter against has no idea that I'm bitter against them because they're not thinking about me. They're thinking about themselves. Exactly. So they're thinking about their life and themselves. And I'm sitting over here thinking about them because I'm ticked off because they did something and I'm bitter about it. That's right. And I realize the most freeing thing that I can do is let it go, release yeah. that bitterness. And that's a difficult thing for me Mm -hmm. to release bitterness to release what you're to do exactly what you're talking about it's a very difficult thing for me because i don't know why and i'm still trying to work on this but i'm very like like i can just get better easy it's an easy part to my soul Mm -hmm. and i can hold on to it for a long time yeah and i can just shut somebody out of my life if they piss me off. Like I'll just flat out be honest. Like I could just cut you out and be okay with it. And that is a problem. Hmm. So how do you fight against that as far as forgiveness or unforgiveness? Like how do you fight against whether it would be bitterness or whether it would be unforgiveness or whether it would be this pain of not letting go? How do you, how do you work against that?
2: I think remembering what you really want in life is a big help. Yeah. I want to be free. I want to be fully alive. And when I connected the dots on when I don't let go of bitterness, I'm not free. Mm. And I'm not fully alive. Because somebody else said it more eloquently. And so I'm stealing it. But they said, bitterness is like you drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Yep, exactly. Right. So when the dots connected for me, I was like, Oh, well, this is a no brainer. Like, I I don't, I don't want to be trapped. Mm. I, I don't, I don't want to die like this. And so I'm not going to And that's where the grace of Christ saves my bacon every single day. Yeah. Because I am my biggest problem. I have a very difficult task in leading myself Mm -hmm. every day. And I'm thankful that Jesus modeled for me what it means to really live in love. Yeah. And so forgiveness is one of the most difficult things. I think we'll ever do as humans.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Because because we're all built with a justice drive. Yeah. We all cry out for justice because it is a God given component of us. We are made in his image. And so it's not shocking that we would have similar drives and desires. Yeah, it's good. that That are pure. But when I figured out like, when I don't forgive that person, I'm actually signing my own death warrant. Hmm. When I don't forgive what has happened to me, I might as well just walk into a jail cell and shut the door until exactly. I figured this out. And one thing that helps me is reflecting on the thousands of times Christ has forgiven me. Yeah, <laughs> It's probably more than thousands and thousands of times. When I'm able to put that into perspective, And to know that if I'm really going to walk in the way of Christ, I have to literally take him at his literal word. Yeah. Which he said that if we forgive others, we ourselves will be forgiven. That is a nasty, hairy piece of theological truth there. Yeah. And I, I don't think we can speed run through this. I think we've got to let the echo of that uncomfortable truth ring off the edges of our soul for a second and say, God help me forgive like you forgave me.
0: It's a mar- That's a marathon. Forgiveness it is. is a marathon. I think that um, contempt is not only celebrated in this culture, it's accepted and or I'm saying it's not only accepted, it's celebrated. I said yep. that reverse, my dyslexia jumped in right there. I'm um, and yeah, it's 100% celebrated. It's like, cool. Like, hey, we want to be have contempt against you. Like, let's all jump on together. Let's hate this person. It's mm-hmm. great. And I don't know if we realize the reality of the complications that's causing in our own soul. And the pain it's causing ourselves, it's self-inflicted, I believe. And I just look at that and I agree with you 100%. It is a long way in the same direction. It's a long obedience in the same direction to be faithful and forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And you think about what Jesus said when he said, hey, before you bring your offering, go and see if you have anything against your brother. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my favorite pastors was saying, what if we every night and the switchboard you know you know theoretically this is back in the day but the switchboard of our town was members of our church calling one another to ask forgiveness for sins that they did that day my goodness daily that's how the end of the day at sundown we were calling each other to say hey you know what i I said this about you today and I just want to ask for your forgiveness or at last, last week at church or last week at the grocery store. What if that was, you know, a part of our daily routine? What if that was our, our goal was not to live in bitterness, but to live in forgiveness Mm. and to accept and also give forgiveness in those moments. And we're keying on huge things, right? Suffering, Peace and walking through suffering and forgiveness, these are big factors in the kingdom of heaven. This is what Jesus talked about. We look in the gospels, what did Jesus talk about the most? Some people say, Oh, it's love or money. No, it's a kingdom of God. So, Mm -hmm. he talked about more than anything else in the gospels. He said, The kingdom of God is like this, right? And that's what he said. And the kingdom of God is not some far away place. It is now, it is here. Mm-hmm. It is a, a present reality and a future reality as well. It's living simultaneously. That's right. And, and we're living in this present reality of a kingdom that is a future place. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just incredible to see these things and the principles of the true gospel that have the power to change people's lives. We can't water it down. That's right. We have to this, this culture of contempt, We have to live in forgiveness in the mm-hmm. culture of, of live whatever way you want it. As long as it doesn't hurt anyone, which is BS. Cause it hurts everyone all the time. Mm-hmm. Suffering is going to come. And if we don't have a theology of how to deal with it, then we're going to be in trouble.
2: That's 100%. And I think what may be driving this culture of contempt is an identity issue Yeah, where we have allowed our tragedies to become our identities and have allowed our pain to become who we are. And the beautiful thing about the gospel is that we, by the grace of God, when we're wounded and healing, we have scars, but our scars don't have us. Yeah. And when we entrench and we, we build bunkers in the kingdom of contempt, we are actually stunting our own growth. We are actually inhibiting our own advance and we are not fully embracing this, this love that is pouring out from heaven for all of us. And if we would be so brave to leave the bunker of contempt, and to meet in the common ground with people who are Mm. offending us, people who have wounded us, people who are different than us, I think we would see the kingdom of God advance more. And one issue that keeps us from the common ground is that too often we believe we are holding the high ground,
0: Mm. but
2: the problem is it is oftentimes a self manufactured high ground. Yes. You might have heard uh, the self serving bias and how overwhelmingly we just perceive ourselves to be right. And I read something just last week and it jumped off the page and I was like, holy smokes. Feeling right feels no different than feeling wrong when you don't know you're wrong. Hmm. And so, if we can, in humility, admit I could be wrong, that's where we're going to be able to meet people in the common ground. Yeah. And leave the kingdom of contempt. Yeah. Leave the chains of that idolatry, of that identity, because
0: it's not making us any better. Right. What? <laughs> I mean I feel like this we just keep going back and forth but like what is it in you that keeps you rolling because to me I've heard so much of your story tonight and through the book and other and man that's incredible and and I and, and I really do think that the resilience that you and your family have is very admirable And I think it's something that is incredible. And I think it's something that's driven through faith and Mm. it's driven through Jesus. And to me, like, if you could wrap it up, to someone who's listening to this and they've dealt with suffering or they're going through a season of suffering or pain. And you could say, hey, You know here's my suffering i mean if they've listened this far you know may hopefully they've caught something but here's my here's my suffering key or here's my thoughts in a few sentences like how would you wrap that up
2: yeah i would say it it begins in your mind it's not a coincidence that the hill that jesus died on is called golgotha which means the place of the skull and what is inside of a skull it's the mind and the skull typically represents death So Jesus Christ was crucified and absorbed the full weight and wrath of God on a hill that represents the mind of death and understanding that his victory on the hill of Calvary is available to you and to me and understanding that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so Mm -hmm. it starts there. And the sooner we can let the word of God begin to inform our paradigm, the quicker we're gonna to get to how God sees this endeavor called human existence, that's where it begins. We've gotta think right, and then that'll help us to do right. We've gotta take responsibility for our responses and shun, the excuses that we we parade in our culture. We're like, well, I would have done the right thing, but they did the wrong thing. That is a steaming pile of cow dung. I am 100% responsible for my choices. It does not matter one bit what somebody else did to me or what happened to me, that's immaterial. It informs the context of the story, but it doesn't relieve me of my responsibility in the story. Yeah. And so by thinking right about yourself, about others, and about God, that'll help you to do right. And doing right requires you to take full ownership of your story. You cannot delegate this. You've got to own it. And the beautiful thing is, when you think right, you'll do right. And then the awesomeness is that God will make it all right. In yeah. The end.
0: Yeah. Come on. That's boom. I love that right there. Own your story, think right, do right. And just believe in Jesus, you know, follow who Jesus is. And when you follow who Jesus is, he will change you he through the renewing of your mind he will change you he will change your desires it is it's not backwards logic because you go to church then all of a sudden everything no because you know jesus Mm -hmm. jesus will change you from the inside out it's that old hill song song that just still hits home sometimes from the inside out (laughs) i shouldn't sing i didn't know you sang by the way dang it i didn't know you sang yeah i i i dabble And you play acoustic? Oh, yeah, okay. I dabble. But I just, you know, I led worship for a a crowd of a 1000 people. Give me a break. That's a steaming pile of cow dung right there.
2: (laughs) Uh, No, I, I I love music. And I, I've written songs, what I've learned uh, the keyboard. Uh, I just I'm actually a percussionist. That's my principal instrument started in the fifth grade playing
0: drums. I mean, how did we not know this? I I don't know. And the so, the secret life and skills of Dan. Little did you know <laughs> that he's actually been writing songs that Hillsong's been releasing for no, the past years. No, I didn't write years. that song. That's false. <laughs> no, I I've found a
2: really special place in in music and just love it.
0: So, that's incredible. I, yeah i i enjoy it i don't know (laughs) oh wow i love that man that's so stinking cool all right well i am this was incredible thank you so much for your time and uh we are both old dads and it's late now because i spilled my coffee Uh but this was an absolute blast um i'm so excited to share this podcast and uh yeah man, thanks so so much for being on i really appreciate it thank you so much jeff Hey, thanks again for listening to another episode of Where They've Been. You know, that was a little bit of a a heavier podcast listening to Dan and his story. Have they been through some stuff? And uh, it is incredible, his perspective. This guy's perspective is unbelievable. I know it really struck you. Um, His whole family, just the perseverance they have to go through everything that he's gone through um, to talk about the loss of his daughter and the Bell's palsy, just this, Mm -hmm. just so many. And the fact um, that he wrote a book about it to me is how vulnerable are you that or how, how confident are you that you are able to be that vulnerable? I mean, that's, that's That's incredible. Um, So if you haven't, read his book or heard of it, you should go out there. It's called Suffer Well. Um, Dan also has a podcast that I was on, Hope Between the Lines, which is just so fitting because of how much hope he has in his personal life. And so make sure you go check out his podcast, Hope Between the Lines. He's just, he's awesome. Um, But I want to, what was the thing that stuck out to you the most? Yeah. And I was just
1: going to kind of echo what you said. This whole, like his whole story encompasses hope. Like that was literally, and I know that that's what he calls his podcast, but like it was just hope shouting through. And I think seriously, he had a, like he had so many, what we call boom points, like so many points I'm like, I need to write this down. Yeah. But one thing he specifically said, I was listening to this in the gym actually, and I stopped my workout and wrote this down. Yeah. He said, if he allowed it, he's going to redeem it.
0: Come on somebody.
1: And I was like, dang, like I'm comparing the, you know, the quote unquote bad things that have happened in my life and trying to compare it to something as horrible as losing your daughter right. like i can't even i can't even fathom that you, you, but he's, i can't either no and he, but he still has that hope of like you know what the lord allowed this and he's going to redeem it yes and so to me that was like
0: Oh my yeah. God. I that's of my life always for like the that. Ages, man. Actually, like, dude, that's though. a tattoo right oh, there. Come seriously. on, somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So Dan good. is just, he's an incredible guy. I love their family. They're just an incredible, incredible people that are just doing great things with his organization that he works for, Youth Alive. Um, we touched on it earlier in the podcast, but man, I love Dan. He's an incredible guy. Make sure you get his book. I actually think he told me he just got signed another book deal. So he may have more mm. books coming out. Hopefully, that's not a spoiler um whoops we'll have to check that out with him before we post this um but and also make sure you follow hope between the lines awesome stuff over there and uh man he's just a great guy it was a great podcast yeah. so we're gonna go over now to our segment we call it where they've been good stories so zach's got another good story he's just the researcher you know what i mean <laughs> he's the guy who's got all the research you know what i mean come on somebody Hey, that's what I'm here for. Yeah, man. So <laughs> one that
1: actually I came across one that it was um, maybe I was cynical for this, but it surprised me. Yeah.
0: Um, so there it, was a, it surprised me as yeah, well. when you told right? me
1: for sure. It was very, it's almost like you doubted, it, but they actually did do some research in this that apparently seven in 10 Americans say that 2020 out of all years yeah. made them a better person. Crazy. And like, Technically, it was a little more than seven, seven and ten, because it was 74 percent. 74 percent is, 74% what, is what you said. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is sort of just a couple of examples is 87 percent of Americans have donated a portion of their paycheck, even though three and five experienced financial d- difficulty. Crazy. That's, so that's crazy. Saying, I'm struggling, but I'm willing to give a portion of my paycheck to someone else. It's incredible. And a few others was 41 percent have helped uh, a stranger across the street. Nobody really does that anymore. You don't really ever see that. Uh, 38% have gone out of their way to take out their neighbor's trash and 31% have walked their neighbor's dog. And another one for the, for those of us that live in snowier climates is one third have shoveled out a neighbor's car in the past year. Um, and so that was just something that I wanted to share that I was like, wow, 2020 was rough for a lot of us, but that, that shouldn't stop us for, for like being kind. That shouldn't yeah. stop our, our kindness initiative, you know? So that Seriously. was something that I was pleasantly surprised to read that 2020 did not cynically destroy us, but it seems like it's doing the opposite. To
0: well, you and that's what you would think it would do, right? From the right. new cycles and everything yes. else. You think it yeah. would have destroyed the goodness in you. But right. the reality is, is that the goodness is more resilient and that it exactly. continued, right? right. I, I'm looking at the article that you sent me, and it, this is a spokesperson who who did the survey said it's been incredibly meaningful to see how challenges of this past year has caused us to care even Mm. more for one another. Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, yeah, like to look at this, I know it was a difficult year for so many people out there, so many people listening to this podcast, but the reality is, is that it showed us that we aren't the only ones struggling. That's in right. a way, exactly. it's so unifying because everyone was dealing with the same thing. How often right. are you dealing with the same thing as somebody else? Um, Not yeah. very often. No, it's so, unifying and, to yeah, go exactly. through that struggle together. Exactly. exactly. Yep. And so I love to see, like, I was so pumped to see that this created some action. Like, I'm going to help right. you walk across yep. the street. I'm going to help you take your trash out. Like, I'm going to help right. you. That's a good story. That's yep. the type of story that we need to live yes. in this culture. Today that we're gonna go out there and we're gonna make a difference right. in others' lives. Like, dude, that yep. fires me up, makes me want yeah. to go bear hunting with the switch. You know Seriously, what I'm saying? Let's somebody.
1: Go. Yep. We're not let we're not meant to live as individual beings. You know what yes. I mean? Like we're meant for community, we're meant for a tribe. We have a tribe. We gotta take exactly. care of the tribe, you know. So that's definitely what that when I came across that. I was like, oof, gotta share that with the people Come because on. like let's Let's challenge like our week, like whenever you're listening to this, whatever week this is, whatever month you're listening to this, like, right. There's no expiration date on this. There's no expiration date. On exactly. Kindness. There's no ex- like keep living it. Like start right. living it. If you haven't, if you've been. been
0: doing it great. If you haven't get your butt into That's gear, right. come on, Let's somebody go. like yep. get out there and start helping somebody. Yep. And if you don't like that, then you're going to hate the podcast. So you just might That's as well just stop listening. That's come true. On you you know can know
1: unsubscribe. Mean? You're the only people that can unsubscribe. <laughs> Just no, honest. don't do that. Don't we're, do we're, that. No, we're we're it would have really
0: hurt my feelings and we'd have to have an extra counseling session this week. True, but true, anyways, you can not have that anyways we're sponsored by i'm just i was gonna make a joke right there but i didn't <laughs> no, no we're good dude such a good story i love so that thank you for people who are out there doing the good things like keep yes. it up it's making including a dan. difference yep. including dan like he is just making a difference out there they're incredible incredible people love this well zach thank you so much for being a part of this podcast of love it it's a love blast it so much. guys thank you so much for listening if you think about it rate us on wherever you listen apple spotify can you even rate on spotify we don't know if you can go ahead yeah. share this podcast with some people we love getting to do this we're so thankful to to be a part of your journey and we just can't wait to continue to do this thing together so we'll see you all soon love you guys bye